Hello and welcome to episode six of the Rocket IT podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hyatt, and today I'm excited to introduce an entrepreneur whose passion for small businesses and entrepreneurship is truly inspirational. Having built and run his own marketing firm before becoming a freelancer, Jason Scott Montoya has developed a fresh perspective about the best way to build a great small business. Today, we've asked Jason to join us and share his insights. Welcome, Jason. Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate uh, you having me on the show and I look forward to to sharing uh, what I've learned and experienced throughout the journey. Awesome. All right, Jason. So you and I are friends. We've known each other for a long time, right? Yeah, it's been a while. uh, I think through the Gwinnett Chamber many years ago, I don't know, 2010 or nine or somewhere yeah. around then, yeah, about 10 years time. ago. So when I met you, uh, I remember that uh, you were running a marketing firm uh, yes. that was widely known in our community as Noodlehead Marketing. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Noodlehead was a nickname that I had in, from high school. Um, I've got long curly hair and so that stuck with me. And when I started the company, it seemed like a, a great way to sort of an iconic way to uh, you know, represent what, who I was and what we were doing. And that's uh, really awesome. Yeah. So the other thing that I remember about that, Jason, and I hope you'll forgive me for this, <laughs> but uh, my recollection was this is a really young guy Yeah, that's running a business and you had employees. Uh, you had, uh, I remember there was another person with us that was a member of your team. Uh, she was excited about what you're doing. So she was engaged. Yeah. And I thought, man, this guy's accomplished a lot at a pretty young age. So you mind telling us how, how did you get started? <laughs> did you start it at a young age or just one of those guys that just looks young? Or how, Yeah, how, well, I, I do. I do definitely look young. Yeah. So uh, I remember, uh, you know, on many occasions, people have underestimated uh, how, how young <laughs> I am or how old I am. Right. Um, and uh, I love telling people that I have five kids, you know, because that, right. that doesn't tend to start match. to get real. Then, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so but yeah, when I was um, I've always been very ambitious um, since as, as young as I can remember, you know, I remember you know, trying to, I think part of it was I was a problem solver. I always wanted to uh, find a solution to help me get to where I was going. So mm-hmm. I remember in junior high, um, you know, I, my parents, at, we, they didn't give me money for lunch. So I had to bring a sack lunch, but I always wanted the pizza. So <laughs> I found a way to collect money from all my friends who would buy pizza. And I said, well, if we buy the box, we get a discount. So you all get your pizza and I get a couple slices plus a little extra. So I'm profiting <laughs> from the transaction. So that's pretty um, cool. So yeah, that's, uh, you know, always, you know, kind of thinking that way. Essentially, I could see further beyond what maybe my abilities always were. Mm. So, um, so a fearlessness allowed me to do a lot of that, but I lacked some of the wisdom and experience to really ground that in a way that, um, that could help me grow in a sustainable way. So I had to, I struggled with, you know, having a lot of success, but then also failing to really steward that well and, and going through this cycle of up and down and the roller coaster that ensued. <laughs> now, I'm curious, did you come from an entrepreneurial family or how, how did, and not everybody graduates high school and decides yeah. I'm going to go start a business. Yeah. Uh, so tell yeah, me definitely. How, how so um, I'm a multi, uh, my father was a business owner. In fact, he recently sold his business is in, oh, cool. to, to Nashville to be nearby us him and my, him and my mom. So um, my grandfather um, was a business owner, my great grandfather, my great, great, great. I mean, so and, really it was a responsibility of <laughs> yeah. yours. You didn't really have any choice. But my, for whatever reason, my dad um, really wanted me to go to college. Uh, my uncle who was, he was an entrepreneur as well. 
and I spent a lot of time with him. I ended up in high school interning with him and learning 3D animation and working on projects for Discovery Channel and whatnot. Wow. Well, he, he didn't have a college education, mm-hmm. and uh, neither did my dad, but my dad really wanted me to go. I saw a path towards entrepreneurship as, well, I, why don't I just go right in? Why do right. I need to go to school? So it was kind of this challenge of wanting to jump right in, but um, I ended up doing both. I oh, went wow. to college and I started a business, so um, which was a lot to do. And, and in retrospect, um, you know, a lot of the stuff I learned, uh, one of the biggest things that college helped me with is really a, it was a giant speed bump. It slowed me down, which is probably what I needed <laughs> at the time. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I would say uh, it probably is pretty tough to build a business, especially an employer business. Yeah. There's a big distinction there, I think. Yeah. And try to attend school at the same time. Exactly. Did you start out of the gates with uh, team members? So um, when I I started, you know, in a way, I kind of started out as a freelancer mm-hmm. after moving here. Um, ended up working with a guy who had a IT, um, ironically, an IT uh, a support company, residential, mm-hmm. and uh, did that, you know, contract basis. And uh, But it was very entrepreneurial in the way that we set it up, um, kind of a... Uh, revenue sharing type of model. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, the, I remember the, when I first interviewed for the the position, I had the long curly locks of hair and I came in and he said, you know, what, I, th- I think you'd be a good fit, but I just, I just can't hire you with that hair. <laughs> so I went to the, the salon that night, chopped it all off and came back the next day Wow! and he hired me. So, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so, um, anyway, what, what I forgot what the question was there. I, I was going to loop back around. Well, it's, we were talking about the, the employer business, you know, like I said, when we met, okay. which I think was a few years at least yeah. uh, into your journey, uh, you you had a team. Yeah. And so I was curious if you started that way uh, or uh, if it's Yeah, so my wife a- and my cousin were the, the first two employees, and then I had an intern. Wow. And um, and that actually goes back as young as I can I can remember. I've always been a um, an organizer of people. Mm-hmm. So whether it was an event, a movie, whatever it was growing up, church, I was inviting people. I was bringing people into, you know, seats. So that was something I was naturally gifted at, love relationships, love people, and and am good at fostering those. And so, you know, building those relationships and recruiting people, that that was almost second nature to me. Hmm. And so finding, you know, at with my wife, really what where that happened is, you know, she was working at a company or a, a church actually. And, um, and I said, well, I need some help. So will you quit your job and work for me? And my cousin had moved out here and he was a designer. And, uh, at first he was going to go look for a job. And I said, well, I've got some projects. You want to work on these? And, uh, he eventually those projects grew and, and he never found another job. And so <laughs> there we <Wow>. were. <laughs> and then, um, I had someone that I knew reach out to me. Um, uh, I think a, a friend's son was looking for an internship opportunity. And I said, sure, we'll take him. <laughs> and so we had our first intern and the four of us worked out of our house. And wow. or it was a condo. It was a little mm-hmm. condo in, in Norcross, and that's that's where it began. So very cool. Yeah. So looking back, uh, if you are giving advice to fellow entrepreneurs, is it a good place to start with hiring your spouse and your uh, family, your cousin and your friend? <laughs> I uh, <laughs> um, it was very difficult. She, don't worry, none of them will be listening <laughs> yeah. to this podcast. <laughs> um, it was very challenging. So when I, when we moved to Atlanta, I had never moved, I'd never lived away from my parents. So I went from living with my parents to living on my own. Oh my goodness. I had never been married. It was the first time I'd gotten married. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm 20, what, 20, 21, almost, uh, almost 21. 
And um, so I'm moving across the country, getting married, starting a business, going to college. It, you know, I, I probably could lot. have done that a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, I tried what most people do in their lifetime. I did in a weekend and, and, <laughs> and that was very challenging. So it was a, um, and it was also hard because we were working out of our home. Mm-hmm. So just to have that separation between, you know, home and work, there wasn't any, and eventually, you know, things grew and, and, and the only private space me and my wife had left was one room, you know, right. <laughs> the rest had been taken over by the business. So it was, it was challenging, um, our relationship, you know, we had our own stuff that we had to work through as a newly wed couple. And, mm-hmm. and then you had the business on top of that. And then, you know, as a young person, not wanting to upset people or wanting people to like you, you know, that can be challenging work with family and, and, and friends. Cause you know, business sometimes means conflict and issues and we've got to lean into that. And I often didn't. Very cool. Well, yeah. you know what? Uh, that's a big part of it, right? Is having yeah. experience and trying to learn from it. Exactly. Uh, so let's talk about that just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I want people to sort of understand where we're going with this conversation. Yeah. And so in the time that I've known you, uh, you have this uh, this business uh, here in our community and uh, and you were growing it and you were doing a lot of exciting things. Uh, yeah. I think you were pretty forward thinking in a lot of what uh, technology can do in the areas of marketing and communication. Exactly. Uh you're good at uh, incorporating technology into strategies for businesses. But since uh, I've done you, uh, that business uh, was eventually closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you uh, uh, sort of reinvented yourself as an entrepreneur. You've written at least two books. Yes, two books. You're a prolific <laughs> uh, uh, blogger. Yeah. Uh, and so I see your uh, articles online quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and your most recent book, I think, is a reflection on what you learned over that time and talks about how how do we build uh, an effective business, and you call it the jump. Yes, right? the jump from chaos to clarity yeah. for your striving small business. Yeah, striving small. Aren't all small businesses <laughs> striving small yes. businesses? Yep. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, walk us through that a little bit. Uh, give us the the hundred foot view of uh, uh, from there to here. Yeah, and what what has your attention right now? Yeah. So in my seven year journey at Noodlehead. Um, from 2007 to 2014, there were a lot of lessons learned along the way. And, and for, shut up, for such a short period of time, you know, there was, there was a lot to learn. <laughs> but about halfway through that journey, I kind of hit a, a point where I, in many ways, my business was defined by outside forces, um, clients, team members, um, other people, people I looked up to or people that spoke into my life for ill or for good. Um, but essentially them saying, this is what your business should look like. This is what you should do with your business. This is what I need you to do for me as a client for, you know, for your business. So, um, and often, you know, they're like, if it's a client's like, Hey, I, could you do this new thing? You know, we did a lot of marketing, but we ended up becoming a full service firm, meaning we did everything, which was too much for, for a small team. (laughs) But, um, but a lot of that was clients, you know, one client would ask for something that we didn't do and we say, sure, we'll do that if you're willing to pay us. And so what I got to this point was um, several years in, it just wasn't working. It was chaotic. So I started to ask myself, if I were to start this company over and I were to reboot my marketing company, just start a new co- a new marketing company, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. And so I thought through that and it came up with an answer to that, was very intentional about it. And, um, and we changed the company towards that. And so that was from, you know, 2010 to, to 2013. And then I got to another point where I said, you know, after accomplishing that, do we keep doing this and just do it in, you know, perpetuity? This is the type of business I want to run for the next 
few decades. And I asked myself the second question. Um, again, neither of these questions were as clear at the time as they are to me now, but right. really the second was, if I could do anything I wanted vocationally, what would I do? Would it be to start and run a marketing company? And I couldn't enthusiastically say yes. And so I knew if I couldn't be all in, I, I, I couldn't continue it. And it was a small company, so there wasn't, it wasn't enough to, to sell it. So it was really shut it down. And so then there's kind of the reality of, okay, well, I do have, you know, uh, three kids at the time and, and a wife and, you know, financial obligations. So I can't just, you know, just go do what I really want to do. I had to figure out a transition plan. And so I did, freelancing really became, it, came, it sort of found me. <laughs> I had customers and people I knew from my network started reaching out to me. In fact, I think you were one of those um, in the first few months. And I had, you know, a handful of projects on my plate and I was a freelancer. And so for about eight months, that was in 2014, by the end of 2014, those projects never stopped coming. And it wow. was, yeah. And it was interesting because in the Did noodle, that surprised you. Yeah. Cause in, cause a noodle, <laughs> you had, thought it was kind of a temporary stopgap until your next yeah, thing. What would I, you know, do what I go work with someone, would right. I start a new company, whatever, you know, I'm probably leaning mostly towards just traditional employment, right. um, but freelancing happened and it continued and I was making money at it. And, and I realized, you know, all the things I learned in business, I could apply it to freelancing and I could be a business of one, um, a solopreneur in that way. And so, um, but the, the, the contrast to Noodlehead marketing was Noodlehead um, with the staff, with the team, with the overhead, with all the things that go with having a company, um, you know, every month starts over in terms of you know, how much money, the, the, inc the expenses always carry over, but the income you know, <laughs> right. starts over in a lot of ways. So, um, but I was always having to, to sell, to go find prospects, sell, sell them on their services and, and bring in the deal and then do the next one and the next one. But with freelancing, it was, it was the opposite. It was coming to me. And, and so that was very different. So in 2015, really at the end of 2014 and into 2015 decided, you know what, I'm going to lean into this. This is working. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to figure out how to master it. Hmm. So the end of 2015, I had other freelancers that were seeing what I was doing, the success I was having, and they started asking questions. How do you, how do you get over this obstacle, this challenge, whatnot? And so I started mentoring other freelancers and ended hmm. up doing that for about a year. It took about a dozen freelancers through wow. the process. That's and, a lot. And it kind of morphed into the book. And, and they helped me make the book better. And that was my first book, Path of the Freelancer, which published in 2017, the awesome. year after that. So, and that's really where the fame story. Began, <laughs> yes, that's right? where, well, I mean, I was, uh, I was on a movie with Tom Cruise. That's American true. Made, I've so seen that. That really. Yes. <laughs> you were a cop. Right? <laughs> yes. I was an ATF agent. Yes. So when that, when that trailer came out, I made the trailer and then in the movie. So that was, that was fun. But yeah. So, um, I part of I feel like we're going to have to add that as a resource in the, <laughs> the podcast link, notes, the, just the a link, link to, to the, that segment. To the clip. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that kind of gets to the heart of what I love, which is storytelling and movie making. And you know, I remember in in high school um, after Saving Private Ryan came out, I watched the behind the scenes of of Steven Spielberg's story, mm. and that inspired me to want to make movies. And so, um, that whole storytelling angle and. So writing was a was a way for me to move in that direction, and this first book was a way for me to take that first step, and it would allow me to tell my story, but also share systems that were working for me as a freelancer, also to help other freelancers. 
And that was kind of at a moment where I, I had some success as a freelancer. Things were steady. I had published my first book and now I was able to start thinking about my end game and where I want this to go. And um, now you're blogging throughout. Yes. Yeah, so that's in a newer development. Yeah. So I started blogging um, at the end of my company uh, three months before I started freelancing. Wow. For, yeah. um, I did it several times a week. Gosh, I didn't realize it'd been that long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost six years now. And um, I bet you're getting good at it. <laughs> and I, and I am. <laughs> and it's it's great to look at the old posts and go, I am I am good and good at it. And <laughs> I can see the difference. Right. Which is awesome to see that progress um, as we grow. But one of the things I realized when I, um, I wish I would have done 10 years ago, or at, at that point, 10 years right. ago, so, so 16 now, um, was blog regularly. Mm. And what I realized, and really per- building a personal brand, blogging, and the reason I felt that way was because I had done a lot of different things. Um, I did Noodlehead Marketing, but I also, you know, I did a political news site. I did a satire website. I've had all these different side projects, if you will. And so... But every time I did went from one thing to the next, I was always starting over. And and it just it's really hard to start over in yes. life. So if I had done this thing where I built this personal brand, personal platform and, and in that case it would have been a blog, and even if it was just, you know, a few times a year, update it, and I'd done that ten years before and then I just kept that up, it would have been this um, this resource to help me with whatever I was doing and it would allow me to transition between one project to the next more seamlessly and to carry any kind of audience or connections or relationships or projects with me in that journey. Hmm. So I really, I also saw it more practically that by, by blogging regularly, it would, it would allow me to connect with people that would be interested in working with me, you know, whether they're employing me or, or freelancing, which would, I'd continue to do that. And so um, blogging kind of evolved from kind of this resource, something that I wanted to just keep active to something that would help me grow my freelancing to something I did it for its intrinsic value in terms of helping me process and share ideas, mm. but also because I just love writing. And now, have uh, you always loved writing or is that something that yeah, developed I th- I th- over time? Well, I think there was always a, a passion for it. I always kind of look back, you know, I remember in, in high school, I used to write these emails and just tell these crazy stories and I would just email people that I knew and family and friends. Yeah, and we didn't have email when I was in school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So I remember, yeah. We passed notes. Yeah, that, I guess that was what it was. So <laughs> I would just tell these crazy stories um, and I would pull my, it was funny because I'd pull my friends into them. So they would be, I would take a friend and their name and I'd put them in the story and this would be their story, but it would be completely fictional and um, <laughs> it was just fun stuff. So um, I always did that kind of stuff, you know, journaled and, and wrote stuff and and made things like that. But it was never like I never thought of myself as a writer or never really you know, practice it or even th- did much of it in school. In fact, my dad used to have me um, write book reports for five dollars. We'd read the book and then if we did the report, we could get five dollars. So oh. I would write these book reports, but I was doing it for the five dollars right. because I love to write. That's a pretty cool idea. <laughs> but it got me got me going so nice so he so he helped fund my my writing journey i suppose <laughs> so you're developing your blogging platform yeah uh, and you're developing your personal brand uh, yeah. on the internet you've got your first book out yeah uh somewhere we skipped uh, from three children to five children exactly yeah so what happened next yeah so um you know things continued to go you know steady um a big milestone for for me was um, you know, graduating college in 2008, but mm-hmm. 
I also, as a result of that, got a lot of student loan debt. <laughs> uh, yep. So this year, um, that's we, a big topic. These yeah. Days, huh? So we had a um, when we paid it off a few months ago, which we finally did, and freelancing and entrepreneurship. Wow. Were, were the way. Thank you. Um, were what helped us do that. Ironically, you know, I'd wanted to go into entrepreneurship first, you know, just go right in, but I went to school first. And again, it was that speed bump as well yeah. as the student loan. So, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it was entrepreneurship that, that, that turned it around. So a hundred, we paid off $155,000 oh, in 10 years. Goodness. Wow. Both me and my wife's student loans right. combined. And that's with interest and everything. Wow. Um, we borrowed like around 90. So about 60 grand of it was interest. Wow. And so um, as, as students, we don't tend to realize how much that interest accumulates <laughs> as we're paying it off. So I hesitate to ask this, but the burning curiosity means I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a worthy investment? Um, you know, not not in the educational sense. I think in the life lessons, yes. Mm. But in terms of the school itself, um, I have a I have a bit of regret mm. for for going down the road. I, I would have done it if if I would have been intelligent through the whole process, I would have done it differently. Not yeah, we borrow, can say that about yeah, a lot of things, yeah. right? <laughs> but not borrowed as much. Maybe right. maybe still go to college, but do it in a, a bootstrapping kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if there was debt, it was it was minimal. Um, I went to a fancy art college, and and that was highly expensive. So right. and I and it, I went for a degree which is in three D animation. Right. And which that you is use every day, <laughs> which I, I, I use every day. <laughs> um, so we're kidding. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not something that I got a practical benefit from. So if so the other aspect is maybe getting a degree in something that was more relevant to what I ended up doing. Now, again, I love storytelling and film and animation. So maybe there's a redeeming uh, conclusion to that story in my future. But but for now, it is something that uh, that is a, a bit of anguish as well as, uh, you know, right. Well, positive, so. still a huge deal. Yeah. And that's a lot of debt for anyone. Yes. Uh, particularly for a young, growing family. Yes. That's a lot. Yes. And you paid it off. You conquered it. Yes. Uh, congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Really and awesome. um, ironic, interesting enough, um, the way that I would have gone about it, it was would have been different if, if it was me um, as an individual, but I am married. And so we, me and my wife both have different goals and aspirations, and she wanted to own a home. Our van transmission went out, so there was a lot of other things that happened during that time oh, life. Uh, uh. That, that that extended it. But we also bought our first house during you know um, in 2017, and wow. so I love we're in you know in, in Sugar Hill, Gwinnett area, and so having that, you know, I, I wouldn't take that back to have paid the student loan off earlier, you know, in retrospect. But because of how it's unfolded, it was just different than it I would have probably chosen. But I'm grateful for how it's unfolded, mm. and so. Really, in the last, um, and this kind of goes to the kind of ties into the second book, is the last you know now six years um, have been really rebuilding our lives, yeah. rebuilding my vocation, um, moving, buying a home, paying off our debts, kind of closing out the past, and rebuilding you know building the future for both me, my my marriage, and, and my family, and our community, and so the jump is is symbolic for me in a lot of ways that it represents the jump that I've made. The jump being your new book. Correct. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. You obviously, we don't want to give away (laughs) the end. Yeah. uh, But tell us what, what is the jump about? Yeah. So the book, uh, the jump, it's, it's a, it's a couple things for me. um, But in, in a simple form, it's me writing a letter to, to young Jason who's just starting noodle <laughs> head marketing. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> Here are the things I wish 
I would have known, the w- things, the stories I wish I would have heard, and the things I, I the things I, sh- I, I needed to have known to, to make that journey more fruitful than it was. Obviously, I can't travel back in time, so I, I can't go get, give this to myself, but I can share it with the next person, with others, and that might be in that same place, or maybe certain parts of it might appeal to them. And off, you know, a lot of the, the, the work that I do is I work specifically with small business owners, helping them, you know, to grow their business. And so um, this is a resource for me to, to use with them, whether they're, they do work with me or whether they, maybe they can't work with me for whatever capacity or money or whatever the reason might be. But this is a resource that I can share. So the book, um, the heart of the book is, you know, there's a couple different facets. One is really asking ourselves, is this the business we want to be in? Can we be fully committed to this? Um, the idea of this striving thing is when we're doing something that we love and that we're fully committed to, is even, even though it can be hard and challenging, we, we tend to find a way. We don't ask, should we continue? We ask, how do we overcome this problem? Right. And so that's a huge mindset and commitment that, that changes how our business rolls out. And that was one of the things I couldn't get to with my marketing company was I knew this was going to be a challenging journey to continue the business, to sustain the team, to build the client base. Is this what I want to give that to? Is this what I'm willing to do? And I, and I couldn't get there. And then the second part of the heart of the book, um, and it has to do with in a lot of it with my own journey, is we can't change our business until we change ourselves as the leader of that business. That's good. Well, you know, uh, having run my own business for many, many years at this point, I know there are plenty of times when you sort of look in the mirror and say, gosh, what am I doing this for? Because it's not always easy, right? Yeah. Now, sometimes it's very, very difficult. Yes. Uh, there are uh, uh, many aspects of running a business that are quite challenging. Yeah. And so I get it asking from time to time, uh, introspectively or in the mirror, or maybe yeah. even if we're super brave uh, <laughs> to our spouse. Yeah, yeah. What am I doing? Is this, you know, is this the right decision? So it sounds like you've developed a framework for kind of how to think that through. Yeah. Uh, and find a path forward. Yes. Uh, potentially. And then I also can relate with uh, the idea of, okay, well, I'm totally committed. Like I'm in for being an entrepreneur, for running a business. But uh, I've got this big problem and that big problem. And there's another one uh, across the hood that looks like it's going to be, you know, right down yeah. the path here just a little bit. Should I continue down this path mm-hmm. or is this time to, they, today they call it pivot, you yeah. know, to pivot to something different. Uh, that's, you know, that can be a, a pretty big question and sometimes there isn't a clear answer. Yes. Uh, yeah. I know that you know, certainly I've asked myself that question from time to time and Fortunately, I uh, have uh, uh, arrived back at, nope, I'm on the right path. I'm just going to have to push through here. Uh, but that's not always true for everyone. So uh, that's great. So I know one of one of the uh, ideas that you've developed, uh, I'm not I'm going to botch the pronunci- <laughs> pronunciation. Is it idema? I call it idema. Idema. idema okay, yeah. so tell, tell us about idema. What do you yeah. mean when you talk about that? So idema is an acronym. Um, and it stands, uh, I'll just walk through the, f- the five stages and then I'll come back and explain it. But I, I stands for ideate, um, D stands for discover, E stands for execute, M stands for maintain, and A stands for audit. So IDEMA is those five uh, stages. Now, um, the, the, this idea was actually born out of desperation. <laughs> <laughs> like most great ideas. <laughs> yeah, and frustration and pain um, mm-hmm. and suffering. 
So one of the things in, in our company that um, that we struggled with was we were really we were really good at living in the wild west as I kind of think of it. You know, out, we could out here on the east coast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just operating without system, just kind of gunslinging right. and figuring yeah, things yeah. out, problem solving, making upset clients happy, you know, you just kind of reactive but you just sort of make things work right. through sheer will. And um, and so people that came to Noodlehead and people that stuck around were those that could handle that kind of chaos. Mm-hmm. But it was not sustainable for me as the leader or for the team to follow. So uh, in fact, we had um, on several occasions, but um, I remember one time I was at uh, Disney World and one of my employees called me. We had a, we had hired a project manager and she'd been there for a few months and really, really helpful and, and a good mentor. Um, but essentially, he she, she called me and said, um, so-and-so has left. She said she can't take it anymore and has quit. Oh boy. And it was just too much, too chaotic. Too, we were too disorganized. She just couldn't operate it. So the the... the the sort of catch-22 was the person we needed to help us get organized was repelled by us. <laughs> we couldn't retain them. Right. And so we finally realized we got to buckle down and get ourselves at least somewhat organized so that person will stick around long enough to, right. to work with us. So <laughs> so out of that desperation, we said, let's map out the, the trajectory or the pathway of an idea, of every project that comes through here. And IDEMA was born. So we said, well, everything starts out as an idea, and then we have to plan out that idea, and then we have to build it, and then we have to sustain it, and then we have to evaluate it on a kind of a recurring um, basis. So that was um, what we came out of it. Now, what we realized, we had recently done StrengthsFinder at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And so we all mapped out, those of us that were left, um, our different strengths. And we realized that as a team, we could become an effective project manager. Hmm. We didn't have to go, essentially, this project manager, I think, was uh, sort of the, the white whale from Moby Dick, you know, this thing right. we were chasing that we could never get. But we realized as a team, you know, you're really good with ideation and discovery. You're really good with execution. You're really good at maintenance and keeping things going, and you're really good at evaluation. So we'll we'll do this like a relay. You do these letters, I'll do these letters, and you do these letters, hmm. and together we'll be a project manager. And we went from needing a project manager to no longer seeking one because as a hmm. team we were able to fill the gaps. That's really cool. Yeah. Very nice. So you, uh, so that was really kind of happened on or, or you didn't really happen on it. You had to invent it out yeah. of sheer necessity, but while you were still running the business and do you still use it today as a freelancer? Yeah. So, um, so the framework so it works for one person too. Yeah, yeah, it works. Okay. Uh, a lot of my systems are built around that. Uh, one of the things when I read the E Myth that I struggled with, I said, "What's Michael Gerber?" Yeah, great yeah, it's book. great book. Yeah. Systems and processes and people, mm-hmm. products. Um, but I always struggled with this idea of what holds it all together, what keeps it all, you know, together. And and that's for me where this framework really did that. And as a creative person. Um, a lot of project management systems and ideas, they, they just didn't work for me, but this was a sort of a, uh, a project management framework that, that worked for creative people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was simple enough in the sense that it's broad application. It's really a mindset and then a, an undergirding framework that can then be applied across the board. So a lot of what I do now may not have like literally IDEMA in it, but the way that I that I move my projects forward, they they follow that framework either directly or indirectly or or explicitly or or um or undergirding it. So now you've done a good job of sort of illustrating yeah uh, how that looks uh, in your book. 
Uh, and it is, uh, in fact, it's a, it's a never-ending story, right? It's not just idema, it's idema. Yes, it should be a cycle that over. we go right. through over and exactly. over. Exactly. So uh, I'm thinking, you know, myself, that's really what this podcast is about. How can, <laughs> how can I get better, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, I think of myself with, um, uh, you know, I've got uh, an amazing or terrible idea about every four minutes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of them. Uh, take off and most of them uh, wither and die. Yeah. Uh, but I'm imagining that over a short period of time, I'm going to have 19 different things that are at some stage of this process. Is it actually something that you schedule and really think about? You know, as for example, measure mm-hmm. and uh, and I think analyze was the last one, right? Yeah. So uh, assessment, assessment. Audit. Yeah. yeah. So, so is that something that you do on a scheduled basis, or is it more of uh, I've just got a feel for how things are, are going. Yeah. So the way, uh, the beauty of the, pro, the the framework is that it can be scaled and, and um, simplified or, or complicated to the degree of the, the business. Uh, so a more sophisticated audit process is going to be a, more relevant to a company that has a lot of maintenance stuff going on, mm-hmm. right? Because they're doing stuff regularly, um, but you don't want to get to the point where you're just doing it and you don't even realize what you're doing, what's working, what's not, right? So you need a more comprehensive audit process. But each, uh, what happens is, is people or companies, they, they have different deficiencies in the areas and they have different, um, kind of traps that they fall into. So for example, the ID8 stage, really the first thing you got to start doing that I do that is you need an idea capturing system. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that might be, um, from employees, from you as the leader, you know, for my blogging, I have Evernote and every new idea I have for a blog, I put it into the idea repository. And so that just grows and grows and grows. Now, when I think about that idea further, I might start to discover it, right? Then I can start to outline it and I put it into the the discovery folder, right? Mm -hmm. And then I start to discover that and build out things, find links, add ideas and concepts. So with ideate, um, but at some point you're going to have, let's say you got a hundred ideas. Okay. We only have the bandwidth to move forward with three. So you've, so each, in the, in the framework between the stages, what we want to do is we want to identify, we want to know what they are, but we want to prioritize them. Mm-hmm. So we're going to pull three ideas from the repository into discovery. We're going to plan these three projects out. But we may only have the bandwidth to, to do one of the three. So we mm-hmm. pick, we got we to gotta discover them. So we plan them out. And really what we're looking for is which of the three has the most potential. Right. right? And when we figure out which one has the most potential, then we start to build that. Now, mm-hmm. as we're, we're building that at some point, you know, as part of the discovery, but also as part of the execution, we need to figure out what is it going to take to keep that idea going, that project sustaining it and, and going on and on and on. So that's where the maintenance stage comes in and you have a system that keeps it going. Like this podcast, you know, you've yeah. got a, a system that you have to maintain to keep the podcast going when that dies. We call the that system Chris Swenson. <laughs> yes. That's how we do that. That's right. <laughs> He's the expert. So, um, and then at some point, you know, after 100 episodes or maybe 50 or whatever the number is, you know, you've got to look at this podcast and go, is this doing what we set it out to do? Mm-hmm. So companies often can skip stages. Maybe they go from right from idea to execution without even planning anything mm-hmm. um, or they plan it in their head and they don't tell anyone. <laughs> right. um, and some might start an execution. A lot of I, I know a lot of companies and this was you know one that I was chronically um, a, a perpetrator was just building all kinds of things, stopping at 80% mm. and then doing the next thing. And right. you've got like these half built things. Not all interesting to me anymore. I'm moving over <laughs> exactly. to this new shiny thing. <laughs> and that's where I think we really got to think through in the discovery stage, what I call the, the formula for intentionality. What's our purpose? Why are we doing it? 
That's our mission. How are we going to do it? That's our vision. What do we hope to accomplish? And then within what guardrails, values, guidelines within that. So vision helps us finish things we're not no longer passionate about. Right. Okay, this is a vehicle to help me get to this destination. You know, when I'm, when I, it's like a marathon. When you get to the end of the race, you know, you don't feel like finishing, mm-hmm. but you have a goal, you have a finish line, and, and that's where that really helps. So I'm going to ask you more about yeah. that yeah. Uh, in just a minute. But I noticed when you're explaining your process and how you execute things, you often use the word we. Yeah. Uh, we did this. We're, we're going to do that. Yeah. I, I, you may not know, I ran my business as an independent mm-hmm. uh, uh, consultant for, yeah. for years. And so I used to joke, um, people <laughs> ask how big, you know, how big is your company? I would say, well, there's three of us, and me, yeah. myself, and I. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you're doing right there? Or have you uh, now in your journey uh, reassembled a team of sorts to uh, to work with you? Yeah, so um, a lot of clients I, I do work with, a, a, there might be another freelancer that we brought on board, or I'm working with the client. So I'm, uh, unless it's like my blog, mm-hmm. um, like I'm usually working with someone. So there yeah. is a we there. Okay. Um, and even, you know, in my blog, I mean, I remember when I, the first year I, I blogged, I had my cousin, um, Sam, he, he would actually read them and provide me feedback. Oh, great. For, so I, some I, editing. Yeah. So yeah. even though he never really wanted anything out of it or got anything out of it or what even received anything, you know, sometimes I put a note on in the blog, like Thank satisfaction. You, yeah. I'm sure he had lots of satisfaction, but it was a, we, I couldn't have right. done it without right. him. And right. so, um, I think um, I probably default to the we mm-hmm. um, because I recognize even how independent I can I am and how independently I can do something. There probably at least is something that someone else is is contributing to that I'm not even um, aware of or or um, seeing. Right. So cool. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump back into you know, mission values. Yeah. Uh, I think you said purpose. Did you yeah, say purpose? purpose? So those. Those ideas mm-hmm. have been huge yeah. in, in my business yeah. and have really served as um, uh, guidelines or mileposts. Yeah. Uh, they've kept me on track. Yeah. And we end up going back to them almost maybe even daily basis, maybe even more frequently yeah. than that. You know, what are <laughs> we trying to accomplish through our blood. here? <laughs> right. Yeah. But I didn't start with with those. Yeah. You know, I, I bet I was years into the business before we figured out what yeah. were our values and what was the purpose of the business? I joke sometimes, and it's you know kind of joke truth thing. The <laughs> original purpose of the business is Matt Hyatt needs a job. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's, uh, that's not really a rallying cry for the rest of the team here. So yeah. we had to come up with something different uh, yeah. <laughs> to uh, to have long uh, lasting shared power. purpose. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about that. Is that something you started with? Is that something that uh, you developed later? How did that? Yeah, happen? it it came along later, mm-hmm. um, and the reality is, to your point, that's the that's the origin story of most entrepreneurs and their businesses, yeah. unless they start it later in their life. Um, but even then, sometimes it doesn't happen. So, um, so it doesn't come. It should be the first thing we start with, but it's usually like not. Right. <laughs> so yeah, sure. So it's very challenging. Um, but I think what happens is we kind of stumble and fail and and struggle. And that's when we finally see the value of it. And so then we start to, to tap into it. Um, you know, Simon Sinek was, was uh, one that kind of great. introduced the whole concept yeah. of start with why and, mm-hmm. and purpose. Um, I, I was familiar with purpose, and, and that was something that I knew about. 
Um, but he contextualized it in business in he a, did a in great a way job that was that, didn't he? hugely helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you completely. You know, I've heard heard it many times and probably read it. I'm sure Gerber touched on it in his, yeah, his book. Yeah. But it wasn't until uh, it was actually the YouTube video. Yeah, you know, the, the TED Talk that went right, viral. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, where it really hit home. I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah. this is and this the, is critical. Yeah, so exactly. Like, like just so cool it was idea. like, he's okay. talking to me. Yeah. You know? But I always, um, and so with that was, that was helpful. But even, even that um, and other things that were out there and things that were introduced to me, I always struggled with like, what's the difference between purpose and mission and vision and right. core values and what are they and how do they interface together? And so no one, I would do research or ask people and no one really asked that question or no, or no one really answered it in a satisfactory way. And, people had different definitions and mm-hmm. nobody was defining what these things are. And, and so that's where I kind of sat down and said, okay, I'm going to define these, you know, purpose is why. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the starting point. Right. Um, mission is how, okay. Vision is where. So each one's a question and then core values are within, mm-hmm. within what guidelines. And so those four questions, and then I put it into this, uh, this formula, the formula for intentionality. So purpose plus mission within core values equals the vision. Hmm. And so it's sort of a kind of an uh, audit process for identifying these pieces. So in other words, you know, we could have a purpose and a mission and core values that don't actually equal the vision we're after. And we might have to pivot, like you said earlier. And so, um, but purpose is actually as an entrepreneur tends to be easy to come upon Hmm. in terms of we, because purpose is what helps us launch things. And there's a lot of emotion and excitement but it's the vision that a lot of visionaries actually struggle with is they have too many visions. They mm-hmm. can't pick one. And so they need to pick one and define it. And then, and then that helps them have that focus that they've, they've lacked or that I found that I lacked in my journey. I totally agree with you. And that's really good stuff. And I'm curious, I know I'm, I'm guessing uh, many of your readers are probably not coming. I'm guessing most of them are probably coming to you that like, already started a business yeah i'm already deep into this jason <laughs> yeah. what do i do next yeah. right and so what's your you know quickly what's your recommendation there is this a team exercise is this a entrepreneur needs to go uh, rent a cabin in the mountains for <laughs> a week to figure it out do you ask you know yeah your spouse or how, how do you do it so um so i i do understand that and when that's one of the challenges that i faced um, when i had the marketing company noodlehead um, we were bringing this system, IDEMA, um, and all of these interesting ideas and, and concepts and stories that were just transformational in our business. Mm. But we would tell them with other, tell them to others, and it would just, it was very hard to communicate that and to, and to get them to buy in, and then, and then get them to proceed. So we would, we we actually were successful in a lot of ways in that regard. But um, those five stages we would help companies through the I stage and then the D stage and the E stage. But as we got to the E stage and then the M stage, you know, once you start ha- talking about maintaining things, if someone really wants to just build things, it's hard, it's hard to get there. So what I ended up learning in, you know, as, as I shut down the company, there was a lot of lessons I learned in that process about ending well and transitioning that, that I was missing as part of the puzzle and that I got and took into this new journey. And so one of them was how do you take this framework, this process, and you apply it in a very practical, chaotic situation? Um, like you're saying, how do I get to from right. chaos to this order you're talking about? So 
I came up with this process, and this is towards the end of the book, um, this five-phase process for moving your organization. And it's very practical, and it's very cash flow-oriented. So mm-hmm. it essentially, you follow stage one, and then it'll help, it'll fund phase two. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's very literal. So the first part is low-hanging um, fruit. Yeah, and, sure. and I define that as high-impact, low-effort. What are the things I can do to generate cash right away or generate a sale or get um, a client to, to increase what they're doing with me? So I want to increase, you know, those activities and do them as effectively as I can. So there, you have to have a little bit of insight as the business owner to know where those are. Now, I would, I would guess that as a business owner, you've been doing it long enough and you've had enough success that you could probably find those. You've just forgotten what they are or yeah, you lost sure. track of them. So low-hanging fruit is the first thing. Then the second thing is what I call simplify everything. So often our failure comes from overcomplicating things, doing too much, overcommitting. So how do we cut that back to the things, what's actually making me money, what's actually serving my clients, what's actually um, helping my team, and remove everything else. So it's a a kind of a, a ruthless audit process to get as clean and mean as possible, you know, or lean and mean. Yeah, yeah. So no, I love it. Um, then the, we do the simplify everything second because the third stage is to make what's left better. And we only have certain amount of resources, so we want to make sure that we can focus that. So whatever is left makes the cut. Um, we make those better. Um, maybe it's, um, you know, something with the, maybe your website or, or it's a project or or um, a system you have, or a team member, how do you make them better? So um, so you make what's left better, and then the fourth stage is identify and fill in the gaps. So what's now that you've you know, simplified, you made those things better, what's actually missing? You need to add some products or services or add some team members or add some whatever, a campaign. And then the, the last stage is called master maintenance. Mm. And so master maintenance is... Um, where we, we've taken all these things, we made this transition, and now we have things we have to keep going, so we don't want to neglect those. So we need to make sure that we master that process. We have systems and tools in place to help us do that, accountability structures. And then at that point, it's helpful to, to move into an IDEMA cycle, mm-hmm. right? And then actually, when you have new ideas, take them through this process, right? But through this transitional process, there's going to be a lot of rogue, wild westing. And it's just a matter of sheer willing your way forward to survive. But you build enough margin that then you can start to do things the right way. Gotcha. You know what? Uh, so good, Jason. I appreciate you sharing that with us. I, I, I am reminded of uh, a couple of things. Number one is I know in the early stages of a business, we might not yet know what, how are we going to make money? Like we have some general ideas. I want to focus on marketing or I want to focus on IT, Yeah, whatever it might be. But we might know, not know what the specifics are of what actually generates revenue. Yeah. What is it that people yeah. are going to pay for and write a check for? Mm-hmm. And so early on in a business, a lot of businesses are like, if, if you're willing to pay for it, I'm willing to do it. You, yeah. know, you touched on that earlier. You know, you've got a customer that did a project uh, uh, of one kind with you. And they're saying, hey, can you do this other thing? I'm like, well, I'm hungry. Yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, I can. And, you know, you kind of figure it out. And, you know, we all hope that one of those turns into the next great thing. If, oh, my gosh, I could do this this one thing and uh, this other customer would yeah. do this other customer would do this. And so we see that a lot with, uh, particularly with newer businesses, but in some cases, older businesses yeah. that have just never matured past that point. There's still 
uh, oh, I've just got I got to pay the bills, and so I'm going to take whatever the next project yeah, or opportunity kind of survival is, no mode matter what. Perpetually, and that can be chaotic for yeah. our teams, right? But there is a in, in my industry in the IT business, uh, we have uh, heard about uh, this concept of uh, operational maturity, and we've more than just mm-hmm. heard about. It. We've studied this, and it's something we work on quite a bit. And what we've learned is that uh, most businesses, as they begin to mature, uh, operationally speaking, are probably going to do exactly what you said. They're going to call yeah. on a lot of the things that maybe don't make sense for the business and maybe even get down to just one or two core products or services. We're going to focus on yeah. those things, and we're going to get really good at it. Yeah, We're going to uh, streamline our processes. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the right people in place. Our sales processes are going to be oriented toward these one or two things and everything that will run like it's on a yeah. rail, right? Yeah. And then hopefully uh, the business continues to grow and mature. Mm-hmm. And then over time we can add ancillary services that make sense, that are yeah. compatible, uh, in that alignment. we want to yeah. do, right? Yeah, that are aligned is a great word. So that uh, we can continue to uh, build market share and build mm-hmm. the business and do things we want to do. So I love it. Yeah. I think you're right right on track with that. Now, there's something I have in my notes here that I wanted to make sure I ask about, but I want to make sure that we're not covering uh, the same material. But you have written on what we need to do to restart mm-hmm. a stagnated business. Is is that it? Is that, uh, hey, we just need to really dig dig in on our purpose and values and, and simplify and, and move on? Or, or is there more there? Um, well, that would definitely cover a, a broad range of uh, businesses and, and their stages. Um, there is a particular, um, we talk about operational maturity in, in that maintenance stage in IDEM is what I think of. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about stagnant, there is, an, there is a type of stagnant that is a successful amount of stagnation. So what we're doing is working, we're making money, people are, are, are we're growing even maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but we may be kind of gaining weight. Maybe like we're, you know, like think about we're eating a little bit too much, mm-hmm. drinking too many sodas, and now we're starting to gain weight and we're starting to, to, to balloon up, right? So I've got to um, recognize that our comfort and our success may actually be causing our long-term downfall. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, the world is changing, and it's even technologically, it's even changing faster than it than it used to. So, what we're doing may be working, but it, and with the people we're working with, but if things are changing around us, at some point we won't have moved along with it, and the world will have moved on, and we're still in the past. And at that point, it's very hard to to make the shift towards adapting the company and, and switching. Too little, too late, kind yeah. of thing, right? So, I think that audit process. Um, in terms of companies that are in that maintenance stage that are getting, um, they're, they're getting bloated in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. They need to integrate these audit processes and they need to integrate what I call the catfish effect. So the, the documentary at the end of the, the story of this, um, this guy who realizes everything he thought um, wasn't actually what it was. At the end of this film, this guy talks about these um, they used to they ship cod from China to I guess the used to the United States and they would they would be dead or mushy when they arrived. So they started putting catfish into the containers and the catfish would nip at them and keep them moving. Hmm. And they would they would be healthy and and great for for eating. And so those organizations have to introduce catfish into the to the mix. And and the people have to do it for themselves because you don't want to you know you want the morale to be good, but you want people to invite that accountability in those audits 
to go, we're going to do this because we want to become better. We want to build a culture of continuous improvement and we want to continually get better and also adapt with, with the marketplace and the culture and, and the time, the things that are changing. So I don't know if that answers your question. Uh, but. That's awesome. No, I love it. So I'm curious. So you've, you've obviously uh, been, uh, you've reflected a lot. Uh, you've, uh, you have uh, matured along the way. Is, am I right in that you've spent about the same amount of time as a, as a, a running noodle head as uh, you have uh, now as a, Yes. Freelancer, yeah. Is it about equal? Yeah. So um, okay. six years. So yeah. next, in, in a year, it'll be the same. Yeah. And that's kind of crazy to think, um, you know, how much, how long I've I've been after it, and how long I was right. in it, and uh, and it's yeah. It's so now having both of those experiences <laughs> and looking forward into your future, what do you think the future holds for you? Are we going to continue down the freelancer path? Do you see another employer organization down the road? Conquer yeah. them all, do both. I don't know. Yeah. So I think what I what I look at this next year is is kind of a bit of an audit for myself, right? Mm -hmm. So here's what I've been doing for the last six years. I think it's a rest and rejuvenation as well, in the sense that um, you know we have rebuilt and we've we've transitioned, and I kind of need a break from <laughs> from right. that, right? <laughs> so, but I have a lot more flexibility uh, with the only debt we have is our house, awesome. um, and and my income is still what it was. So we have gotten this this margin. Um, and so it's a game changer. Yeah. It? So yeah. now I've got option. I've got a lot more flexibility and options to, you know, writing these books, um, you know, writing another book, you know, I've got several books in, in mind. Um, I, like I said before, kind of the entertainment, uh, filmmaking, storytelling is something I'm exploring with. I think, um, probably what I, what I would say is experimenting. Yeah. Um, trying different things, exploring different things. I'll continue to freelance, you know, be a consultant with small businesses. You know, I, I imagine it's going to be a, another five or 10 years. Wow. Um, Great. But, you know, we'll see how the other stuff shifts and transitions, you know, as I each year, as I continue to work with, with clients, you know, I increase my rates a little bit. So I have a little bit more margin to write. I can blog and I can work on my other books. And as those continue to grow, my digital platform grows, then, um, you know, then if, once that starts generating an income of some sort, then, then I've got more options there as well. So, so yeah, it's, wow. it's open-ended right that's now. Cool. Well, it's um, nice to have options and it sounds <laughs> like, uh, sounds like, uh, things are going really well. That's, yeah. that's exciting. All right. So let's do a little bit of a lightning round because yeah. I, I am curious about some of these questions. Uh, tell me, uh, what are you reading right now? Okay. So what I've got, has, what uh, has your attention yeah, so I got two books I'm reading. One is called permanent record by Edward Snowden. Oh, um, yeah, and it's telling his story. Yeah. So my neighbor asks uh, me, and my neighbor going to start reading books together and that's the book oh, he bought. So I said, sure, cool. I'll read it. With him. <laughs> and then I got another one called faith, um, of exiles. Oh, I've heard that. And one. so in, in, in America specifically, uh, Christianity has declined in terms of the number of people that are, um, saying they're, they're agnostic or atheistic. Mm -hmm. Um, that number is climbing. And so, um, this book is looking at people that haven't that have retained their faith and what is it about them that's different than those that have that have um, fallen away from their faith and and contrasting that and really it's it revolves around these five disciplines um that that they've uh their family or their or parents or their or their community has sustained or that they have and that they've taken ownership of in their own life so exploring that very yeah. cool so yeah two books at a time <laughs> uh, i am guilty of having you know three or four books on the nightstand, yeah. 
one next to the okay. easy chair. There's probably a couple of my desks in yeah. there, and I've you, read you the decide... first 10% of all of them. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. so maybe you're a, you're a visionary in that well, sense. Well, I don't know. I, I definitely have. I might need to... Too I, many books to read, I, but I not demon enough. it or something yeah. and do, do some more reading. Uh, favorite podcasts? Any uh, Anything you listen to regularly? Um, I have got a lot of podcasts on my list, um, but I love the I love to listen to Jordan P. Jordan oh. Peterson's um, podcast. He does his lectures on those, and and those are great. Um, just a lot of leadership podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, cool. Yeah, very cool. And uh, lastly, you you are uh, in fact available for consulting and uh, and support. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah, what's so, the best way to learn about you? Um, you can visit my website at jasonscottmontoya.com. That's okay. jasonscottmontoya.com. Um, I got my M-O-N-T-O-Y-A. blog. M-O-N-T-O-Y-A. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm on all the social channels as well. Um, on my website, you can you can check out my blog. Um, if you go to the homepage, it'll kind of direct you to the different books if you're interested in you know, freelancing or marketing or the blog. Um, there's a services page if you're interested in working together. You can look at that. Um, and yeah, that's my website's the best place to go is my home base and, uh, get an idea of who I am and what I'm doing and, and how the things I've created could help you and your business. Awesome. Jason, it's been a real pleasure uh, to have you on the show. I'm glad uh, you came out and visited with, with us today. We've learned a lot. Uh, without further ado, I think it's time to wrap things up. Uh, For myself and behalf of our listeners, thank you for joining us today. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Rocket IT podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Finally, a quick plug for Rocket IT. We work with businesses, nonprofits, and municipalities in the area of IT strategy, information security, and support. To learn more about how Rocket IT can help your organization get the most from your IT investment, visit rocketit.com. Again, should you have any questions about today's discussion, email us at podcasts at rocketit.com or catch us on any of our social media channels. Thank you. Thank you very much, Matt. Appreciate it.